When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul and Sadie is back with us taking your calls this morning. Anything you want to comment on, we'd love to hear from you. 1850 333 103 in text and uh, WhatsApps are also available to 086 2103 103. And actually, emails, I'm always forgetting to remind listeners that you can email the programme, Patricia, at c103.ie and already have uh, some emails into the programme. Uh, today. Now, we are this morning going to be talking about the new junior ministerial appointments which were announced yesterday. We've been, we mentioned it yesterday. We've been speculating about it yesterday. We knew the announcements were going to be uh, made and they were finally, Micheál Martin uh, made the appointments yesterday and obviously they were split uh, across Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and uh, the Greens and there has been further unrest in political circles with a number of politicians uh, unhappy. Uh, we even had high profile TDs turning down offers of a junior ministerial portfolios, which doesn't always happen. But I suppose for us here in Cork and in, in Cork Northwest in particular, the huge, huge disappointment was that Michael Moynihan has been overlooked and there had been much speculation that Michael Moynihan, he was being tipped to finally get a position and that he was to, that he would be picking up one of the junior portfolios. But he has been, as some people see, uh, snubbed. Now, we are going to be talking. Michael Moynihan has uh, agreed to join us on the programme. We're going to be talking to him in this hour and um, be, uh, interesting to talk to him just to get his views uh, on it. And also, I suppose, to get a sense of his disappointment because I know uh, when he was asked about it yesterday, you know, he spoke about his the entire community of Cork Northwest. You know, he feels it's an insult to them. So it's it's not just, he's, he's obviously on a personal level, he's disappointed himself, but he's deeply, deeply disappointed for the people of Cork Northwest and already hearing from some of them. Uh, Kevin Quaid has emailed the programme. Now, Kevin has joined us many times on the programme. Kevin suffers with Louis body dementia and he's a great advocate on behalf of Dementia has even written a book about his journey with Louis Body uh, Dementia and uh, Kevin of course 
had been in Australia and when lockdown happened there was a big panic to get Kevin uh, back and it was actually as Kevin says in his email this morning it was through the good work in the offices of Michael Moynihan that Kevin managed to get back from uh, from Australia so Kevin emails this morning to say it's disgraceful all the work that Michael Moynihan has done especially for people with dementia and Fianna Fáil would not have been as good as they are only for him he has been so good to me and my family I'm disgusted said Kevin that he didn't get a portfolio I would seriously have to consider my vote if Michael Moynihan decided not to run again. To put it mildly, I'm fuming says Kevin, emailing Patricia at c103.ie and then there's a WhatsApp in from John in uh, Mill Street uh, and he make, uh, John makes an interesting point on behalf of the people of uh, Cork Northwest. He said this is a constituency where we've now lost a full minister, Michael Crete, uh, the ex-minister for agriculture and now no junior minister position for him, Michael Michael Creed, and then we fully expected Michael Moynihan, the previous chief whip for Fianna Fáil and a great friend of the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, to be given at least a junior ministerial portfolio. But he got passed over. This gives the two fingers to our area here and it won't be forgotten when this party comes knocking on doors promising their commitment to rural areas. And that's from what sounds like a very annoyed uh, John in uh, Mill Street. So keep your calls and comments coming on that uh, because we'll speak with our political correspondent in just a moment and then we will pick up with uh, Michael Moynihan. But just um, COVID-19 for a moment because there is a story in the papers I suppose that's really highlighting how careful we all have to be when it comes to coronavirus. And it's a story about a family cluster and almost 20 members of one family have tested positive for coronavirus and what happened was there was a gathering to mark the one month anniversary obviously the month's mind was held for a relative who coincidentally passed away from COVID-19 so the family got together to commemorate her passing and obviously they weren't able to have the normal funeral that you can have. So a month on, they decided to have a month's mind for this particular lady. The virus is believed to have spread amongst those who gathered for the month's mind. Then they returned to their respective households they then passed it on to other family members and it includes young children and up to now 20 members of this extended family have been confirmed as COVID-19 positive. And that story comes as figures are showing the number of clusters being detected in private households is rapidly rising. Figures from the Health Protection Surveillance Centre are showing an 85% increase in the number of clusters within private houses. For example, there was 390 outbreaks to, attributed to private households on the 21st of June. Now jump a week later to the 28th of June, that number had gone up to 728 cases. And by the way, a cluster is defined as two or more people being infected with the disease in the one household. Dr Jack Lambert, who is a specialist in infectious diseases in the Matter Hospital, he said the public needs to get back to the basics when it comes to preventing the infection. He said there's a lot of talk about bringing COVID in from other countries, but he said we can't forget that COVID-19 is very much alive and well and here in Ireland. He said there are still infections among people who haven't travelled and that continues to be a risk. He said as soon as we let down our guard, be it with social distancing, be it with hand washing, be it with not wearing masks, he said then it's a no-brainer, the infections will flare up again. He said we need to get back to basics. He said if you're in a family gathering, 
all of the basics must still apply. If you're congregating with people outside of your house and they can be family members, you've got to remember social distancing because he said if you don't have social distancing with any sort when a group get together and he said if there's one person in that room that has COVID-19 and doesn't know it, then everyone in the in the room is going to pick it up. He said that's what's happening already and he says as the country opens up, he's warning that public complacency will lead to further spikes. He said it's a new virus. We still don't know exactly how contagious it is. And he said one person can spread it to three people. Then one person with no symptoms can go on to spread it to 10 other people. They are considered what's called the the super spreaders. And he said that we simply are at a stage that we just don't know how common the super spreaders are. So there's a big push now to try to get the message out to people that we're seeing too much of an increase in the number of household clusters. And it really is a, a worry. I saw Dr. Glim at Neffet. He was talking about it uh, yesterday as well and he said it, it really is a cause for concern because you're getting outbreaks of the virus and then it can cause particular harm to very vulnerable people and we all are still I think reeling from what we saw on the RT Investigates programme of just how vicious, vicious a disease this is and nobody wants to have it on their conscience that they brought it back in to a family household, spread it around and passed it on to somebody in the household who's medically very vulnerable and could go on then to pass away from COVID-19. So it is very much in the community. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Just did a WhatsApp in from the Cantor Community Council to say they're holding a drive-in bingo on Sunday the 19th of July. It'll be held at Cantor Mart Grounds. The gates will open at 1 and bingo will commence at half past 2 and the jackpot will be €500 and the jackpot, I'm told, must be won. I've seen drive-in bingos start up in other parts of the country. I don't know how many drive-in bingos are happening here in Cork. So delighted to see that Cantor are deciding the community council decided to hold a drive-in bingo because they seem to be hugely successful and you can all very safely just sit in your own car and play your game of bingo because we've had a lot of our listeners contact us especially as we're coming out of lockdown saying when is the bingo going to be back because for a lot of people bingo is their only social outlet now I know you won't be able to have the same kind of crack when it's a drive-in bingo but you can wave at each other from the cars and <laughs> you get, and it's a way of getting out as well uh, from the house so that's Sunday the 19th of July I'll remind you of it again uh, closer to the time but it's an afternoon bingo at half past two if people want to go along there OK some of your calls and commentary in on Michael Moynihan being overlooked as a junior ministry. Stephanie said, absolutely shocked with this uh, news. Uh, Michael Moynihan has represented our area fairly no matter what side of the politics you're on he's done good for the wider community he's right when he says it's a total insult to the area John said sure Micheál Martin insulted the whole country by going into coalition with Fine Gael after he said he wouldn't so not really surprised Mary in Mill Street anytime I needed Michael Moynihan he would meet with me he was always obliging I really do not agree that he has been overlooked while Nancy said I think it's a bit of sour grapes really everyone can't get a job the government can't please uh, every one and also um, some of your texts uh, in uh, I live in Bally Desmond says this texter Michael Moynihan has worked very hard has worked very hard for the area and he's been hard to done by by Micheál Martin Michael did a lot of work for the GAA in Bally Desmond best wishes 
to all to him and all of his family from all in Ballydesmond GAA Hi Patricia I see no that's a, that's on a different issue Andy, Andy O'Connor as regards to the junior ministers the junior minister announcement yesterday regarding Cork Northwest, we must remember that the government has the Taoiseach and two ministers in the Cork area yeah and I've seen that argument being put forward Andy by a lot of a lot of people but when you look at that the three senior ministers, if you include the Taoiseach as a senior minister, they're all out of one constituency in Cork City. The county, if you look at the entire county of Cork, there's no senior or junior minister. Another texter says, Patricia, there's a lot of talk about the way me, oh, Michael Moynihan was treated. Um, Patricia, it doesn't surprise me, no matter what the last government dished out. My, me Hall was happy and when election time comes, Michael Moynihan delivered his seat and now he's been taken for granted by uh, me Hall Martin. He doesn't care. He's Taoiseach now at the end of the day. And thank you to Andy, who has also given us a breakdown of the ministers as follows. Uh, seven for Dublin, 12 for the rest of Leinster, 11 for Connacht and Ulster, 23 constituencies have either a full or a junior minister, only two constituency in the county have three and that's Cork, South Central and Dublin uh, West. 1850-333-103 and thank you to somebody and a completely just on the bingo. So there's a drive in bingo in Bandon and that's happening on Sunday next. OK, let's take a break and we'll come back with our political correspondent Sean Defoe. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And as we've already mentioned, the government announced the junior ministerial portfolios yesterday with all three party leaders keen to right the wrongs with no senior minister from the west coast of the country appointed last week to talk us through the appointments. I'm joined by our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Uh, good morning to you, Sean. Morning. Uh, you're you're welcome to the program. Okay, how big a role did geography play in the appointments? Uh, quite significant in the end. I think there was roughly the same number of junior ministers for the West as there was in the last government. So who you saw is uh, Frankie Fian and Sligo Leitrim. You've got Patrick O'Donovan in Limerick, Limerick County, kind of addressing that. Uh, Limerick lack of a minister that was there also then in the Fianna Fáil appointments uh, Niall Collins in the same area Charlie McConlove and Donegal and Rabbit and Galway East and then two for Longford Westmead and Robert Troy and Peter Burke so there was quite a focus on, on addressing that imbalance also in the South East they tried to do that where there was no minister for the South East Malcolm Noonan now in Cardo Kilkenny and Mary Butler in Waterford both picking up juniors so uh, it definitely did play a part and they tried to reach a balance although they have upset some people in the in the interim. There And there also was pressure to address the gender balance uh, issue but I was looking this morning, 35 government appointments and only 8 are women. That's not really addressing a gender balance. No, it's not um, and the appointments yesterday didn't really address them either. No uh, female junior minister from the Green Party, Josefa Madigan uh, for Fine Gael and then just Mary Butler and Anna Rabbit for uh, Fianna Falls. So just three appointments and as you mentioned, uh, eight overall. Now, in, if you were to, to pre- present some defence of it, it is uh, a lack of them actually getting female TDs elected to the doll. There's only three, three, 13 
uh, female TDs among the three parties in the Dáil. And yesterday, even if they had wanted to strike a gender balance among the 17 appointees, they couldn't have done it because there was only eight uh, women yesterday morning left without a, a ministerial role. Uh, so from that point, you can say there is representation, but obviously the wider issue of women in politics is still a problem. 23% of them in the Dáil, I think around 30% of the ministerial seats is still very low. And one of the big talking points yesterday was some high-profile TDs turning down offers of junior ministerial portfolios. Yeah, I've certainly never seen as many do it. It has been heard of before where some people weren't quite happy, but you had uh, the outgoing Minister of State, John Paul Phelan, turning one down, the former Education Minister, Joel McHugh, also turning down uh, the offer, and he was given a choice of a number of ministries preferring and said to look for a role in, uh, in relation to Brexit, obviously his county being Donegal, quite affected by it. But the most high profile is definitely Jim O'Callaghan. Uh, many people expected him to be in the cabinet, many people in Fianna Fáil quite annoyed that he isn't, and you would say on merit he probably deserves to be there. He was offered a junior ministry in justice, which is the portfolio he's held as opposition spokesperson for a while, uh, and turned it down in saying in quite a strong statement that he thought he would be better served on the back benches where he could um, help to build the Fianna Fáil structure ahead of the next election, but also hold the government to account if needs be. And really what what I think he's done here is signaled already the Fianna Fáil leadership contest two years out that he is going to be involved with it because he will be have a lot more free time as a backbencher than he would have as a, as a Minister of State to course people within the party to have those discussions about uh, any vision for it that he wants to sell and potentially then to either challenge Micheál Martin for the leadership in 2022 if he isn't going to step down or try to step into that breach if he is. And Joe McHugh, have you an understanding why he turned down the junior post? So Joe McHugh was looking for the uh, role that Thomas Byrne got, the uh, junior minister for European affairs, and his guiding principle behind that was to have more of a role and more of a say in what is happening in relation to Brexit with Johnny Gall obviously said to be quite affected by whatever happens with the trade deal later on in the year. That wasn't on the table because the roles that he wanted had gone to Fianna Fáil. So instead I think he's going to seek the chairmanship of the Oireachtas Committee on European Affairs and try to have an impact there instead of taking a junior ministry that he wasn't particularly interested in. And then obviously from our neck of the woods uh, here in, in Cork and we're, we're already uh, getting a lot of calls and texts in from uh, listeners who are bitterly disappointed for uh, Michael Moynihan and there had been speculation, there'd been a lot of talk over the weekend that Michael Moynihan was going to get uh, a portfolio. It was, he was obviously the whip for Fianna Fáil in, in the last all and uh, has been a, a loyal a lieutenant of Micheál Martin for for quite a while, even through some difficult years of that. He ultimately hasn't, probably not helped by the fact that there are already three senior ministers uh, in Cork, albeit all in one constituency. And you've seen the same with the likes of Michael Creed, for example, going to the back benches for Fine Gael. So he made a statement last night saying that um, he was very much disappointed and uh, felt let down and felt that his constituents would be let down. I know you have him on later, so he could speak better for his views on it. But um, one of those who does feel particularly hard done by uh, as a lieutenant of Micheál Martin. Yeah, yeah. And we we spoke with you on uh, Monday, which was uh, day one. Uh, Is there a sense that the government have hit the ground running? 
Um, in, at this stage, I think everyone is still sort of trying to read into where they are. We've had a, they've had a rocky first few days internally for the parties in terms of the ministerial appointments causing all sorts of uh, friction and unhappiness, as they always are going to do in a situation like this when you don't have enough seats to give out uh, to keep everybody happy. I think what we'll probably see now is we'll see a lull for a couple of days as it settles into the weekend and everyone is starting to read into their brief. But that's not going to last very long because it's big issues to be dealt with, not only, for example, today returning to schools for Norma Foley, the uh, flights to foreign countries in relation to COVID that are going to have to be dealt with a cabinet meeting next Monday. And then there is the first full week of sitting of the doll next week, which is when things are really going to start uh, cranking into gear for this new government. But not much of a bed in time at all. They are going to have to hit the ground running um, it, it, and probably a little bit early to uh, they're still in that. We might only give them a four-day uh, honeymoon period this time <laughs> compared to the usual four months they've got. But I think they they can at least take that. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. Sean, we'll speak again. Listen. In the meantime, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. That is our political correspondent, uh, Sean Defoe. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Huge disappointment in Cork Northwest yesterday when Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Michael Moynihan was overlooked for a junior ministerial post as it had been widely tipped that he would receive a portfolio. Deputy Michael Moynihan joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Michael, you were quoted as saying that this is an insult to your community. Do, do, do you still feel as strongly as that? Well, I do. I suppose, you know, we were overlooked. Uh, you know, the line given that geography and Cork and so forth. You know, Duhalla North, Cork, Charleston and all its environs, they're a long ways from the south side of Cork City. And the concerns that are in those in the south side of Cork City are not the concerns that we have in the predominantly rural area with the, in Duhalla and in Charleston and its area. And I think that we need a very strong uh, representation in rural areas going forward. We have a lot of challenges. And for me personally, okay, I was disappointed for myself personally not to get it. But, you know, if I look at it from a purely human point of view, the lockdown has shown me that there is, you know, we spend more time at home and I am very privileged to have a wonderful wife and two beautiful kids. And we spend an awful lot of time at home over the last couple of months. And that was a real pleasure. So for me personally, you know, it will drag me away from that and drag me away from the community and the neighbourhood in Kishkem where I live and in the areas that I work in in my office in Kentucky and for Charleston and Duhalla. But... I do think that uh, our communities uh, were insulted by not getting an appointment. And I suppose, why did did I want an appointment? I wanted an appointment to advance um, the issues that are in Cork Northwest. It would give me greater access to get things done greater access to, you know, we've seen over the last uh, eight or nine years the challenges that have faced St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville. I had been a massive advocate of that over the, the years that I had been at the Fianna Fáil government and we had delivered an awful lot there and it pains me to see the cuts in services for people with disabilities that have gone on there and that was one of the things that I would love to champion if I had got more access. Now, I, I, I will use the access that I have to the every ounce of my ability. There are other issues in terms of the M20. There's other issues to make sure we got the primary school in Cantock over the line this week, but we must get it built. And there's a link road in Cantock. The issues in relation to Bella McQuirk, which you air on your program uh, time out of number, we want to get them over the line. It would have given me greater access to get 
monies towards these projects in Cork Northwest, and that's why I would be disappointed. I, I'm and very was disappointed. there was there a particular portfolio that you would have liked? Well. You know, there are many portfolios. You know, if you looked at the different portfolios that are there, uh, there are many of them that would uh, I, that I would have coveted, particularly from a delivery from a rural point of view. There are many of them there. But I suppose if you get onto the rank of a junior ministry, you do get greater access to try and deliver more for your communities. But where am I now? You know, I, I couldn't say, Patricia, I, I couldn't really represent the truth of the reaction that I have got in the last 12 to 14 hours. Uh, right up to almost midnight last night, there was phone calls and texts came in right through the night and 10 past 7 this morning was my first call offering support. And I do appreciate that. From the bottom of my heart, I'd like to thank everybody who has contacted me and who have emailed us and who has been contacting the office all morning. You know, I, I didn't think that uh, that I was that well got with what they are saying and I, I from the bottom of my heart on behalf of myself and my team I'd like to thank them for what they have uh, for what they have said and I, you know I, if, what would I, I you know we look at can I, can, I, can I stop you and just say we, we're getting the very same reaction from from as soon as we came into work this morning on phone calls and on texts and WhatsApps and, and emails. There's this huge outpouring of, I think, personal disappointment for you because so many people are quoting time and time again what a hardworking TD you, you've been. And uh, lots of people obviously have individual stories to tell about how, you know, when you personally helped out someone that people genuinely are gutted for you as an individual but also I think when when you spoke about that this is an insult to the community it's an insult almost to your people that's been reflected as well people really feel that Cork Northwest has been hard done by it was the constituency that did have a full minister with Michael Creed as Minister for Agriculture he's also been uh, overlooked and, and then when you look even further afield the entire Cork County I mean, everybody talks about these three, the Taoiseach and two senior ministers right in the middle of the city. But the rest of the county, have, we've all been, have we all been forgotten about? We have. And you see, it's the south side of Cork City. Can you tell me what is the connection with the issues that face the people of Western Duhalla, the, people that, uh, the issues that face Kiskeim, Cantork, Charleville, or Churchtown, or any of the places that I represent? Chalk what, and cheese. Chalk and cheese. And this notion that Cork uh, County, sure, like, you know, the, the, the south side of Cork City is way different to the Johalla communities, the Charleville communities, the communities that, that I actually love and adore and uh, have been so privileged. And I, could I thank the people for uh, continuously electing me from the bottom of my heart? It is such an honour to represent you in Dalyarden, and I can never repay the compliment that you're giving me. But I do want to make life better for the people that I represent in the best possible way. You know, I give it my all. I have worked extremely hard for 23 years and I'm going to continue to it. And this is, you know, this has probably driven me the last uh, 12 or 14 hours, has driven me harder uh, uh, by the response that I've got that uh, I'm going to drive on harder and I'm going to continue to work extremely hard uh, to, and I will be a thorn on the side of the government. You know, there's a lot of issues. The Fianna Fáil Manifesto, uh, a, a committed funding for the air ambulance. I am going to hold them to that. I am going to by, hold By them. the way, have you always been in favour of Fianna Fáil 
going into this government with Fine Gael and the Greens? Well, uh, you know, when the election was over, I would have issues about the election campaign and I would have issues about how the election campaign was ran. I, I, you know, I have made that clear at the, to the very top at the, immediately at, during the election campaign as the election campaign was unfolding. I, I think that was very, it was badly handled and I, I, I've made that very clear from the very top. But we do need a government. And unfortunately, these were the only pragmatic approaches that could be taken. I've always said that we need a government. And like, you know, if I talk to you about the the, the issues that come across my desk, particularly on the COVID period, right, and, and families and businesses and, you know, people that would have had commitments that have kids going back to college and they have been uh, without their job, without their business, uh, you know, I could tell you harrowing cases that we have been dealing with in the constituency office uh, over the last while. And we're trying to advance the cases for individuals and people all the time. And, you know, in a post-COVID world, as we gradually move out of it, people are in a very dire strait. So I do believe that we do have to have a government and we have to have a majority government. The last time for four years, we didn't have a majority government. And I think, uh, you know, people say, oh, yeah, the conference has supplied damages at the end. It doesn't. It was our handling of the national campaign that damages in the end. And I do think that we need to, we have a government now in place and there are issues that are out there and we have to deal with them in the first months of this government in the in the immediate today and tomorrow housing you know they all talk about housing as if it was a city uh, problem it is the same in rural communities we can't get houses for people uh, we are looking for houses for people and families need housing and they need affordable housing as well when i see young couples and they're going building their own house and they're talking about 250 and 300,000 of a mortgage over 25 or 30 years. You know, I cringe at the, the level of debt that they're going to be in to try yeah, and at the mortgages that they're going it's to be unreal. Can it, we go? Can we just go back to Micheál Martin for a moment? Firstly, did he give you an indication that you were being considered for a Minister of State appointment? Well, yes. Uh, you know, yes, I was given the indication that I was being considered. You didn't know what portfolio, just that you were being considered? Yes, that was being considered. And then was it the fallout from the senior posts, do you think, that that, that's what happened, that's what changed his mind when geography came into it? It it is very easy to bring that excuse to the table. It's very easy to say that. It's very easy to say, well, you know, the fallout from Saturday and, you know, media were getting some stories on Saturday afternoon immediately after the government were appointed and were bending my name around uh, very forcefully on, on Saturday. I didn't know where that information was coming from. Um, some of them have given me where it came from yesterday. I didn't even know that. Uh, but, uh, yes, you know, the, the what happened over the weekend in relation to the west of Ireland. But we are, in Cork Northwest is the west of Ireland to Cork City. And we have seen, like, you know, if you go back there to uh, um, a year and a half ago, when, uh, and I, if I have time, I just want to make this point, uh, when the Duhalla final was on on a Wednesday afternoon in Cantorok between uh, Boherby and Nocturne, so all the traffic was coming through. There was a funeral on in Cantorok at the same evening, and the traffic was backed out almost to Ballamacrick, showing the amount of people that are coming from Cork 
Drivington, Cantock, Newmarket, Rockchapel, Mealing, and everywhere in between that are walking in the city. And the life is being sucked out. The, the, the enterprise, the, 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 I suppose the, the jobs are in the city and they're being sucked out of the Duhala region and the North Cork region. And we have to have representation to articulate the concerns of Duhala and Charafil and all those places because rural Ireland has a vibrant future, but we have to have young people involved in it. We have to make sure that young people are happy to build homes, set up families, and to uh, uh, walk in their communities. And that is the secret of how we go forward. Uh, and uh, it, it, that illustrated the point that Cox City is sucking the lifeblood out, you know, the, all the work that's going on in the city, both from a you know, public service point of view and indeed from the, uh, all the factories that are around it. We need them to be brought out of the city. And, and do you believe we'll get that with the Greens? Well, and, and I, I think the Green policy should be, if, if they were true to their policy, it is developing rural If they take the right policy approach, in the, the green agenda is rural Ireland. The green agenda is that we should have the walk in rural Ireland, and that would be eliminating all the city stuff. Like, what did we do in the, in the first or second week in March? We found out the benefit of rural Ireland and COVID. We found, the lessons of COVID should not be lost in us. The lessons of COVID was that rural Ireland was the safest place to live. I was driving out of Dublin, uh, just there around Crumlin, one, one day at the, uh, at the height of it, the Dawes City at the height of it. And there was one woman on an apartment, uh, on a balcony in her apartment, which was much bigger than the size of your average kitchen table. And down on, she was five stories up. There was balconies all over the place. They, you know, there was no... There was no social distancing in terms of the apartment blocks in Dublin. And that's why there was so much concentration of COVID in the East Coast. And we have to make sure that we learn the lessons of it. From every point of view, rural Ireland is where it is at. Yeah, and, and the way our communities came together and, and we looked at, we looked after each other. Have you spoken to Micheál Martin since then? Yes, I have spoken to him, yes. Did, did he ring you in advance to say you weren't no, getting a he, portfolio? He rang me. He rang me after it. He rang me yesterday afternoon. Uh, yesterday evening. Um, I'm not sure of the time. Six or seven o'clock. What do you care to say? What you spoke about? Well, it was a full and frank discussion. And let's say, Patricia, he got it bought bottles. Did bought he? Bottles. Did he apologise? Uh, we had a very fraught discussion and uh, I explained I explained a few home truths to him uh, very clearly um, uh, very clearly and um, I corrected some uh, uh, stories some other issues that were there but it was a very frank discussion In his defence uh, the fact that it is a coalition arrangement he didn't have enough junior ministries and if he if, if, if it was Fianna Fáil just in power, you would have been guaranteed, I'm assuming, a portfolio. Well, sure, listen, there's nothing guaranteed in politics. You have to roll with the punches in it. I mean, we were only dealing with what was happening on yesterday. We, I knew the challenges that were there in relation to uh, portfolios and jobs and everything else. I knew all the challenges that were there. We have been um, there a long time. We have put huge service in and I would have liked to be able to take it a next step so that we could deliver more for our area. But the one thing that I would say to you, Patricia, this has driven me on further and it has ensured that I am going to work harder than ever 
and I will be a thorn in the side of the government to deliver on the issues. You know, on Meadow Hospital, there's talk about another acute hospital in Cork. That should be in Meadow. That should not be in the city. Okay. That should be in Meadow. All right, I've uh, a, I've a lot of um, texts and, and I, I will get through them as, as we go through the programme. But just, just one final question. Have you lost respect for Micheál Martin? Well, certainly, uh, look, respect... Uh, that's a long way to go. Very, very disappointed, as I said. Very disappointed for uh, myself and my community. Uh, but politics is a rough business. Uh, you don't always get what you want. Uh, you have, there's an awful lot of people that like that I was talking to yesterday that had rang me, offered support, and there's an awful lot of people that would love to be in my position to have uh, to be an elected TD, and that is an honour that I keep all the time. And I am going to work with everybody. I'm going to work with everybody. This is an issue. This is a, a setback. This is a disappointment. Um, and and you won't consider leaving the Fianna Fáil party. Well, people are asking I that. I have given. Uh, I have put huge effort into it. I put huge effort in the last nine uh, nine years to rebuild the party, the link and the breadth of the country. Uh, made many friends na- nationwide and lifelong enemies in the process as well. On behalf of the party, on behalf of the party, and I certainly will. Um, I I will continue to walk through the party to make sure that we deliver what I can okay. for my community. Okay. All right. Listen, we leave it there, uh, Michael. We will speak again. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Okay. Uh, good, good morning to you. That is Cork Northwest uh, Dáil Deputy for Fianna Fáil, Michael Moynihan, and one of his party members, Councillor Ian Doyle, former mayor of Cork County, has a uh, contact the programme to say totally support now is that Michael or Hall? he's supporting Michael totally support Michael Moynihan on this his commitment uh, to the party is unreal especially to our leader Micheál Martin Councillor Doyle said I've always been very lukewarm about this uh, arrangement and Michael always stood by it and he has done great work when it comes to education or disability anything he's been involved with and anything that he has worked on 1850 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Let me give you a sample of some of the calls and texts that we've received in reacting to Michael Moynihan joining us in the last hour, sharing his disappointment after being overlooked for a junior ministerial portfolio yesterday. Uh, John says, Micheál Martin only cared about becoming Taoiseach, but at the end of the day, he only had a handful of junior ministries to hand out. So I'm assuming, John, you see that in defence of uh, Micheál Martin. Mary and Carrie Galine said it reminds her of the core curlers all over again. They're like spoiled children when they don't get their way. Tony feels Barry Cowan should never have been made Minister for Agriculture. He knows nothing about agriculture. He's the man who admitted that he doesn't know about the ploughing championships. Goodness me. Minister for Agriculture saying he doesn't know about the ploughing championships. Alison Mallow kind of has an understanding of of Micheál Martin and where he found himself in this kind of 
cot between a rock and a hard place. Particularly if you look at the appointment of Patrick O'Donovan, now Patrick O'Donovan of Fine Gael, uh, TD. He's in Newcastle West. He got an appointment to a junior ministry uh, yesterday. Is a different constituency because he's in the Cork Limerick uh, constituency, but he would be very close. He'd be just over the road to where Michael Moynihan uh, is if they needed to spread it out, as it does seem geography played a part. Alison Mallow can uh, understand that somebody has to lose out. While James in Brewery says, I'm very surprised at the upset about this as a, as a minister is a minister for all of the country, not just for their area. He cites the example of Michael Creed. Michael Creed, while a McCroom based TD, was the Minister for Agriculture. He didn't just deal with agriculture in the McCroom area. He dealt with agriculture for the entire country. It shouldn't matter where a minister is coming from. It matters, it, what should matter is the jobs that they do. We're part of Europe now. James also thought it was very parochial even at the weekend, the welcoming home of Micheál Martin. Ah, you know, those welcoming home, we, we always do that. That's an Irish thing rather than a parochial thing, um, James. We always welcome home our own when they do well. I wouldn't fault anyone uh, for that. But you're right in your point about uh, people get appointed ministers and junior ministers and they get a portfolio and it is for all of the country. It's not just uh, for their area. And it should be based on, I've always felt it should be based on experience and it should be based on the right fit for the job. I don't think this thing of it coming down to geography and gender balance and we have to have enough ministers dotted all over the country to look after the constituency and to look after the votes. I mean, it's a lot of it seems to be almost like it's they from the minute they get elected they're already planning for the next uh, election and some decisions then are made and that they can be the wrong decisions because you can have people overlooked who would be much better at a job but God help them they were either born the wrong sex they weren't a man or a woman when we needed a man or a woman for the job or now it looks like they were born in the wrong part of the country uh, which is wrong that's not what you know these are the people who are ruling and controlling our country and governing our country it should be the best man or woman for the job I really don't think uh, geography should be coming into it at all but unfortunately it does and it always does it it isn't anything new and then a quick snapshot at some of your texts coming in Maria in Rock Chapel very disappointed for Michael Moynihan extremely hard working extremely honest I'm glad says Maria that he is our uh, TD for Cork North West the government are the biggest losers here because they would be worse off with not having him in a ministerial role Peter in Fremont can fully understand Michael Moynihan's disappointment he deserved to be promoted and it would have been good for Duhalo keep up the good work Michael onwards and upwards while someone is questioning if it would have been good for Duhalo and is saying um, says Michael really doesn't need to worry about local representation at government level had we not Michael Creed there for the last number of years for, as Minister for Agriculture how good was that for the Duhalo region uh, somebody saying with a lot of exclamation marks after their comment Noel says my Michael Moynihan was the first TD to go on the Vincent Brown show. Got a hard time from the host and the audience, but he took it on the chin. He stood up for Fianna Fáil. Leaders come, leaders go. But Michael Moynihan will always be a TD for us. We'll never forget you, uh, Michael. That's from Noel. Someone else says Michael Moynihan is a gentleman. It's an utter disgrace to overlook him. So shocked, um, says Michael um, so shocked says this uh, text are not happy at all with Micheál Martin Meg says Micheál Martin doesn't care he got what he 
want it and he has destroyed the party. I'm assuming Meg is a member of the Fianna Fáil party. Patricia, I've always said this government are own, only want big dairy farmers and then they want to plant the rest of the land with trees and, and more trees. And Margaret says, so disappointed for Michael Moynihan. He's given sterling service to his rural constituents all I can say to Michael is please keep uh, going. Uh, thanking you, Patricia. And that's from Margaret. Well, I think that's the one thing that certainly came across from my chat with Michael Moyne and he's more determined than ever to keep going and to fight for his uh, area. Patrick in Glamworth says, Patricia, I think it's time we set up a new political party and call it the Rural People's uh, Party. We get enough TDs and the 20% who voted against joining either Fianna Fáil or Fianna, Fianna Gael not happy with the way Michael Michal Martin has handled the situation. And North... Cork Northwest will miss Michael Creed, says this uh, texter, an outstanding statesman. Both he and his late father, Donal, uh, did tremendous work for Cork, Cork Southwest. Are we hearing anything from the other TD in the area, Andreas uh, Moynihan? Uh, thank you so much to Michael Creed for all the work that he has done for the uh, area. Okay, this as I say, just a snapshot of some of the calls and texts uh, coming in and we thank you for that. 1850 just to move to a completely different uh, issue and a number of people have contacted us. It came up yesterday and we just didn't get around to it but there's a good text in that kind of sums up how a number of people were feeling about it uh, by from Michael and this is to do with the the funeral up the north of Bobby's story and the number of people that turned out to that funeral. Michael says Patricia High, another fine mess Sinn Féin has got themselves into now that the Northern Ireland's First Minister has written to Michelle O'Neill to step aside until an inquiry into social distancing is complete at that funeral. Will Mary Lou and Pierre Starherty have to self-isolate after travelling to North of Ireland and they joined a massive crowd of people? I think it was disgusting I think it was irresponsible and without regard for the people of the state. Had that that being Michal Martin or Leo Varadkar, had they attended a funeral of a party member with that number of people, they would have been excoriated by Mary Lou and Pierce Doherty and the rest of the Sinn Féin party in the doll. Utterly irresponsible and sickening what they did. Wouldn't she have been a nice Taoiseach representing our country? Sinn Féin are definitely not leading. The Chief Medical Officer has made it very clear that there be no confusion. He has clearly said... Non-essential travel is not safe and is not advised. People do it at their own risk, but they also do it at their public's uh, risk. Thanking you. And that's from uh, Michael. And I'm interested in other uh, people's views on this. I know reading in the paper today that Mary Lou MacDonald and the Sinn Féin TDs and officials are facing calls to stay away from the doll for the next uh, two weeks after they attended the funeral. The funeral was a former IRA member, Bobby Storey. It was a huge, huge funeral. It was was in uh, Belfast. Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald, her predecessor, Gerry Adams, the deputy leader, Michelle O'Neill, that we referenced uh, there, and a number of Sinn Féin TDs and MLAs all attended, including Pierre Doherty. Um, uh, uh, It was reported that up to about 2,000 people 
turned out for the funeral. The large attendance came despite official guidance in the north. In the north, they restrict the numbers who can attend a funeral to 30. We're, we're at 25 still, aren't we, here in the south? It's 30 uh, in the north and obviously that's due to uh, COVID-19. Now, the PSNI is reviewing footage of the, of the funeral for any suspected breaches of regulations, in particular on uh, social distancing. Now, Sinn Féin certainly yesterday mounted a very robust defence of their actions uh, yesterday amid mounting criticism. The North's First Minister, Arlene Foster, has called on Michelle O'Neill to apologise. However, Michelle O'Neill told the MLAs she stood by her action. Pierre Starty said he would not advise anyone attending the funeral to quarantine. He said neither would I encourage people who went to Tesco yesterday to quarantine uh, either. However, the Count Corla, Sean O'Farrell, has been asked to request that anyone who attended the funeral in West Belfast stays away from Leinster House for the next 14 days and that will be in line with public health advice. Fine Gael Senator Gareth Ahern has actually written to the Dáil chairman saying such a request in the interest of everybody's health and safety and he seemingly has written in the letter it would be extremely regrettable if a cluster of COVID-19 cases were created in Leinster House because some members have travelled to Belfast. Now prior to that letter being sent to Sean O'Farrell. Sean O'Farrell had said it would be inappropriate for me to comment on something of that nature beyond saying it would be expected that all members of the Oireachtas to adhere in full to the Neffet uh, guidelines. Now I did hear Pierce Doherty say that if that funeral had taken place before Monday then he and obviously Mary Lou uh, wouldn't have attended because they would have been travelling outside of their county. But of course we know since Monday we're allowed to travel anywhere we want in the country. Now the advice is you still should be social distancing and all of that. The Sinn Féin party also were at pains to point out that they did their best through social media to ask people not to attend the funeral. But huge numbers still turned up. Having said that, huge numbers watched it online rather than go uh, to the funeral. And as I say, the PSNI there are reviewing uh, footage. Some of the footage I saw, they certainly seem to have had stewards there and they they were trying to do their best to get people to social distance. But when you get that many people go into a graveyard, I think about 1,800 is what they reckoned the number were. When you get that number going into the graveyard, there were, there was at times it was impossible for people to keep. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. two metres apart there just there just wasn't uh, enough uh, space but uh, people's thoughts and comments on that were particularly the TDs from the south were they wrong to travel to the north whatever about the ones that were already in the north but were they wrong uh, to travel and would you agree that because social distancing wasn't a tier two I mean there was one picture I think it's since been uh, taken down there was a selfie taken of Michelle O'Neill there was a, a she got stopped coming out of the, of the funeral or going into the funeral I don't know and there was a selfie taken or she said it was just literally a moment in time and she accepted she shouldn't have taken uh, the selfie I know it was up online but I, but I, but I think it was gone and um, she did um, say that it shouldn't have happened but she said it happened in the blink of an eye um, at the closing of the cemetery obviously somebody came and said you know photograph Michelle and so she stood in with these two gentlemen and had her uh, photograph taken and definitely there was no social distancing because one of the guys in the photograph actually has his arm uh, around Michelle O'Neill which is exactly what we're told not to do when you're meeting with uh, people outside of your family we should be keeping up social distancing 1850 John Paul and Sadie both taking your calls uh, today can you text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Carpenters and carpentry apprentices are required for carpentry in a roofing company that's based in Cork City. While Chuck Ultra, that's a nursing home in Newmarket, they've got vacancy for a healthcare assistant with QQI Level 5. Part-time dental receptionist is required that's for a busy practice in the Canturk area. Now, you need to be available afternoons and uh, evenings. And full and part-time mechanic is wanted, and that's in the Rathcormac area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now at the Dolls Committee on COVID-19 this week, the impact of the pandemic on the hospitality sector was discussed with the Vintners Federation of Ireland calling for a stimulus package and a lowering of the VAT rate on alcohol sold in pubs. They're suggesting it gets cut to 9% at least until the end of the year. Michael O'Donovan of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Now, Ma- I'm very well. You were represented at the COVID-19 committee by Podrick Cribben of the Vintners Federation. He said that pubs might have to wait until 2023, could even be 2024, before you get back to pre-COVID levels of business. Do you agree that it could actually take that long? Yeah, look, uh, we've done some work on it, uh, Patricia, and um, look, I suppose the big thing for a lot of pubs in the country is the tourist aspect, especially in the Wild Atlantic Way around West Cork and um, down East Cork. You'd have Ireland's Ancient East. Um, look, we had, in 2019, we had 10 million visitors came into the country, and um, 6 million of those were from the UK and United States. So I think it will be a good while before we'll see those numbers replicated again. 
And that's where the 2023-2024 uh, is coming into it because um, the Fault Ireland have done research and look, it's, it's looking like 20, it's going to be 2022-2023 at least before we get back to any uh, percentage-wise of those figures. And even with, you know, this big push now for people to staycation and for people to holiday in Ireland, uh, and even if a large cohort of Irish people opt not to go abroad and stay at home for their holidays, that won't even make up for it. If, well, look, I suppose, Patricia, look, uh, uh, on the islands, there's 4.7 million people. If everybody staycated, um, we'd still be, you know, 4.7 from 10 million. There's yeah. still, uh, not enough people. Yeah, not enough million. people. So it's not enough people, um, yeah. unfortunately, to sustain. Like, there's there's over 260,000 people across hotels, restaurants and pubs employed. And unfortunately, in, in our industry, unfortunately, um, like 4.7 million people, if everybody did staycate, wouldn't support that that number of uh, of jobs. So... It's, uh, it's, it's tough looking at the hospitality industry as a whole. Mm. A Cut, cutting the VAT rate to 9%, would that make yeah. a real difference? Well, look, it, it would give liquidity to the pubs to through this. And, and like I suppose, don't, the, the VAT rate cut is a big proposal from the Vintners Federation. Uh, it's, it, it's actually done in Spain, Italy, Cyprus, UK are considering doing it. Um, and it would give the pubs, you know, uh, as I said, liquid cash going forward but it's only part of the stimulus you know we also need the way subsidies extend beyond this current uh, deadline of the end of August um, and like we're asking for that to be uh, taken through as well till next March um, and between the two of them that would give pubs uh, a fighting chance to survive especially during these winter months in these tourist areas because look, they've only seven eight weeks now to trade um, some of them that will only open on the 20th of July will, will probably only have five weeks to trade. So it'll be very difficult for them to build up enough cash to survive the, the winter months. Do you think some pubs may never reopen, uh, Michael? I suppose, Patricia, it's, it's hard to answer that at the moment, but um, I suppose we're, we're still awaiting, even today, the guidelines for the pubs to open on the 20th of July. Um, it will all depend, really, on what they are, are in those guidelines like um, look, the pubs that have opened now for the last four four days, you could say this is day four really of them. And um, the hundred and five minutes is really a very hard um, uh, um, aspect of the guidelines. Everything else, uh, social distancing, you know, queuing at doors for people that walk up, everything is manageable. But um, operating your kitchens under social distancing and having to provide the food. It's been a real challenge for a lot of bars uh, over the last few days. I've been talking to a lot of publicans um, that are doing pre-course meals and like trying to do value for customers. And they've found it really, really challenging to get everybody served in the 105 minutes. You're not expecting the 105 minutes, though, to be in place when the pubs open on the 20th of July, though, are you? Well, we're, we're hoping not, Patricia, but look, we, we didn't expect it to be in the guidelines either for the, the pubs that opened on the 29th of June. So um, the honest answer is we, until we see the guidelines, we, we honestly don't know what's going to be in those guidelines. I think a lot of people are going to be taken aback, Michael, to hear you with just a little over two weeks to the opening of the pubs to hear you say that you don't have any guidelines yet. Yes, well, look, Patricia, the, the fact simple fact of it was the pubs that opened on the 29th of of June 
they got uh, 10 days notice of their guidelines to get everything in order for last Monday. So as you can appreciate, that's why some of the pubs that aren't, haven't opened um, are opening today. I know in Cork City there's a good few pubs opening today. Some are opening tomorrow. Some have opened yesterday. They just couldn't get the guidelines, everything in place for, for the Monday. And that, think, that's not fair. Well, look, we've been asking governments ever since, I suppose, the first, second week of June to publish the guidelines. They did publish them for phase three, as I said. They got 10 days' notice. It, it was really tough on those pubs that have opened since, since Monday, Tuesday, or today, whichever days they're opening. And look, we're, we're hoping to get the guidelines. We were told they'd be issued tomorrow, Friday. Um, look, I suppose if, if we get them next Monday, that would give us two weeks' notice or two weeks to get our, our houses ready. But we, we, we don't know. We can't control when government's Department of Health, the HSA, will issue these guidelines to us. And it's really frustrating for publicans right across the country to be sitting here at the moment waiting. And like publicans are ringing every day and have the guidelines, have any inclination of the guidelines, and nobody has until they're until they're published. We we, we just don't know what's in them. Yeah, and I know I know it's a it's a completely different thing, but like the guidelines for the schools uh, started to come out yesterday, and you know they're not opening until September, you know, and rightly so because the schools are going to need you know a good few months uh, to prepare. But you know we've been in this lockdown for months. You would have, I'm really taken aback that you still don't have any kind of guidelines. So you have no way of knowing what you need to do. What you need to—I mean, for example, it's—is—is is it one meter? Would it be one meter in a pub? <laughs> no, I—I—I I, I, I could honestly say I hope it will be, but I can't say for definite if it will be again until these guidelines are issued. We—it's a—it's a, a wait and see because I mean, yeah. you know, the obvious one, the other obvious one is: will it all be table service? Will there be nobody at the bar? Will nobody be allowed to walk around the bar? But again, you just don't know. Yeah, we don't know, uh, Patricia. Like, well, the one thing I will say is the the bar counter at the moment with the guidelines that's there. Um, like uh, the pubs that are open at the moment, if they have a meter of a gap from the customer to say a bar person inside the bar, they are able to use their bar counter. And what oh. I've seen from a lot of bars uh, uh, around, I suppose the city and a few even in the county, is they've put tables against the bar, three tables. It's clever. And had the people with four, your four tools around us. Yeah, and that's clever. Yeah, just to try. Yeah, people are trying to use every every bit of space they can. And yeah. and the pubs that did open, the ones um, serving food, Michael, the ones that did open on on Monday, uh, how are they getting on? Are you hearing from them? Is it a positive feedback? Yeah, I suppose. Um, look, firstly, they were all delighted to get open to welcome back their regular customers. Um, a few have reported, all right, that members of the public have come in and, you know, they're asking, so look, we don't need to have, we, um, like the publicans, to be fair, the vast majority of them are standing fast on us and saying, yes, it's part of the guidelines. It's a HSA officer or a member of the Garda or HSE come in, we have to tell them that you've, you've had a meal or you're having a meal or it's on the way. So, like, uh, like people have to be aware, the public, that the pubs that are open, they're operating as a restaurant, not particularly as a pub for this three-week period. So it's it's important to remind the, the public of that, I think. And I suppose to bear with it, because, as I said, pubs are still learning this because the guidelines came out so late. 
So uh, pubs are adjusting to it even over the when they're open for a couple of days. They're making slight adjustments to improve it even as they're they're working through it. Are you hearing of some who are not adhering to the guidelines, who are breaking the guidelines? Um, look, yes, there, 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 there has been one or two, but I, I suppose they've got reminders uh, of it. And like, uh, I think some were breaking the guidelines without really knowing that they were breaking the guidelines. It was kind of genuinely made mistakes. So, uh, but when they got, you know, um, a reminder of it, um, they, they quickly rectified those mistakes. The ones that I'm aware of. Okay, okay, okay. So um, somebody's asking, does Michael think prices will increase when pubs fully reopen on on July the 20th? I'm not aware of the pubs that have opened um, uh, in the last four days. I'm not aware of any that have uh, had any price increases because, look, they're trying to offer value for money to get people out and to get people spending. So I think pubs that do that, um, you know, they'd have to see their markets but like you know uh, the vast majority of them that I know that I haven't heard of any so far that have been there will be there, there, but there will be additional costs to doing business there there will be additional costs for the publicans but uh, I suppose look uh, Patricia publicans have to try and get people out and people spend so there's competition from other pubs and other restaurants so like if they start increasing their prices you know, people will vote with their feet, so the publicans have to be conscious of that too. So it's um, look, I, I I haven't heard of this uh, in any on any of the menus or anything because people have said they've printed out the new menu, kept the same menu as they had pre-COVID, so they kept the same prices. And the pubs I know are doing, you know, meal deals on the starter main course dessert. So it, they're really trying to entice people to come out and enjoy themselves and get people out and back into the pubs. Okay, and we wait and see. I mean, there is a July stimulus package. Uh, let's wait and see what's uh, contained in in that. Michael agrees that the VAT should be uh, reduced. Michael, by text, saying the VAT should be cut by ten percent for the bar sales. Michael would go further though; he would increase for the off sales. He'd put uh, he'd put the extra onto that in uh, instead. Too much drink has been bought from off licenses and from supermarkets. There's so many places now uh, where you can get a drink. By the way, how much is that? on alcohol? It's 23% at present and, and what, what we're asking for it to be brought down to 9% but uh, it, as I said it was, we're asking for it to be down until the end of the year it's really for the five months August, September, October, November, December Get you and over that, this And that would get you know publicans give, give them a fighting chance to survive and be there when the tourists start to come back next year Okay. All right. Listen, we'll speak uh, again, uh, Michael. Uh, so you're 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 ready. You you're one of the pubs that you haven't opened yet. No, no. I'm away, unfortunately, I, I'm I'm not a food pub, so uh, we've done obviously some work painting, and I'd say every pub around the country has had tradesmen in and out over the last number of weeks. So we're no different. We've done a few, uh, changes and upgraded a few things. So we're we're just waiting now to see the. As to what else you need to do. All right. Hopefully you'll get those guidelines and and get them soon because I do think it's it's very unfair on businesses. We're asking people to open their doors and welcome back in uh, customers. I think you need to get you need to get the guidelines at least as as early as they can issue them to you. So whatever work needs to be done uh, can be done. We'll speak again, Michael. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the program. 
welcome. Good morning to you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Michael O'Donovan there. He is uh, with the Cork branch of the Vintners uh, Federation of Ireland. 1850 uh, 333103. I can just see some commentary coming in when I mentioned the uh, Bobby Story funeral, this huge funeral that was held in Belfast this week. And there's criticisms in particular of the elective representatives that attended both the MLAs from the north and our own from uh, the south, uh, Mary Lou and uh, Pierce Doherty. um, And just people saying, you know, these are in government. They should be, they're the elected representatives. They're going against what is the public advice of not having large uh, gatherings. Some of your comments in on that. Dennis says, Patricia, what were you saying last week about the funeral of Garda Detective guard that Colm Horkin. Remember down here in the south when we had so many people turn up at that funeral? It can't be one rule for one and one rule for another. Now, don't get me wrong, you'd have to put a gun to my head before I'd vote for the Sinn Fein party, but the advice is clear no non essential travel and the minimum number to attend at funerals, says Dennis. Someone else by text says, shocked at the crowd at Bobby Story's funeral, but I was also shocked at the crowd and no social distancing that happened at the funeral of Garda Colm Horkin. Uh, the people at both sets, at both funeral, set a very, very bad uh, example. And William Infamoy says, one person from the Sinn Féin party could have represented them, particularly in these times, to set an example and the family, etc., would have understood. If members of Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael did similar, Mary Lou would be yelling in the doll about how much of a failure the government is. Mary Lou has had COVID-19 and told us all how terrible it was on the Late Late Show a few weeks ago. And indeed, on this programme, she spoke with us actually before she even went on the Late Late and was talking about how bad the COVID-19 was anyway. So she should really know the dangers of doing what she did. I've seen Sinn Féin supporters on social media defending them. Uh, I wonder, can they do any wrong with uh, some people? Well, isn't that what diehard supporters of various parties will always defend their own regardless of what they do. But I think it's just the image of what this large funeral is, the image of what it does, particularly for other people then who had to go through the heartbreak of losing a loved one and having a very, very small funeral and found that very challenging and very difficult. And then when you get high profile funerals, and they're on the TV and the large numbers of people attending and it's just like our old our old style uh, funerals. I think it just adds to the bereavement of families who are already struggling at the moment. 1850 333 103. Somebody wants to know, what time is the guy, the, the crime file, the guy, the report on, uh, please. It is on next after these. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And we're going to the station where I'm joined by Crime Prevention Officer uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan uh, for this week's uh, the File. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. Now, we start with uh, criminal damage and this was of charity boxes. Yeah, this is a particularly uh, low form of crime, Patricia. Um, on Monday last, there, between 10 o'clock in the morning and 8 o'clock in the evening, I suppose the lady's um, garden, she had a couple of charity boxes in the garden there for people to make donations towards it. Now, thankfully, the charity boxes were emptied at the weekend, but the charity boxes were forced open just to see if there was money in it. Now, it happened in the Clanfada area of uh, McCroom, so it's, I suppose the locals would have known it as the Tiny Feet Fairy Garden, so they would have seen anyone acting suspicious around the, that 
that area between 10 o'clock in the morning and 8 o'clock in the evening, as I said, to contact the Gardaí, because, as I said, it's out there, it's a particularly low form of crime when you're, when you're attacking a charity box. Absolutely. Th- thankfully, there was no money taken, but what, have the, the boxes been damaged? The boxes have been damaged, and I suppose ah. this lady who has been doing an awful lot of charity work will have to replace them as well. And, Shocking. You know, the damage, I suppose, came to approximately 80 or 90 quid, but it's the, it's just a matter of what, what was done. Uh, okay, and we believe it, it happened sometime during the day, we reckon, last Monday. Yes, Monday okay. the 29th, between 10am in the morning and uh, 8 o'clock in the if, evening. If anybody spotted uh, anything. You had a theft from a car, now this only happened yesterday. This only happened yesterday, yes, in the Dremel League area, in the, the Nakin Bui upper area of Dremel League. Look, thankfully, I suppose, with the restrictions we've had over movement and the, the cars weren't out, we've had a decrease in the number of break-ins into cars. Great. We did cover at the last show that we were always onto people to be mindful of their property. Unfortunately, uh, a number of items were taken from a car here which on yesterday between three o'clock or quarter to three and half five yesterday evening. So we're just reminding people, number one, that when they are going away to take all their property out of the cars and to lock their cars and not leave the property visible. And number two, in relation to this particular crime, if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious around the knocking Bui upper area of League yesterday afternoon between quarter to four, sorry, quarter to three and half five to contact the Gardaí in either Dream League or in Bentry. Yeah, and we all have to learn, you can leave nothing of value in your car and it's the locking of the car. I mean, only on this slot last week we were talking about, I think there was 10 cars broken into in Mallow and all of them were unlocked. You know, it was somebody went from car to car to car wasn't going to go to the effort of breaking into a car. They just wanted to get the items out of the cars that were unlocked. So That's why, Patricia, be... and we covered it last year that, like, these travelling gangs they're opportunists, they go around the states and they go around areas and they know people that when they get home they might forget to lock the car. Yeah, yeah. And it's, look, it's a simple reminder that we're asking people it's a, to hit of a button. You don't even have to put the key into some car, uh, yeah. just hit a That's button true. just to get into that habit. Okay, theft of bikes. Yes, uh, we covered this uh, last week and but the week before we've seen a dramatic increase in the, in the want for bikes I suppose around the country and where there is a, a need for bikes or a demand for bikes unfortunately the criminal does take advantage of that and, and sells them on. We're just advising people that if they are taking their bikes uh, out, take a good solid chain and lock them to something um, solid. Uh, take a good bike or a good lock with you and get into the habit of property marking your bikes. Uh, we have a number of bikes that have been uh, returned or, or found and we can't return them to their proper owners because there's nothing distinguishing marks or there's no uh, serial number stamped into the bike. Or I know it is underneath, but they, these can be filed away. But people need to take a record of them. We've always said it in property marking. Take a picture of your bike. Take a picture of the serial number. Note it in your phone. All our mobile phones are like little mini computers and data storage um, devices. Now that once you take a photo, it is there. And yeah. If your bike is stolen, you can... Send us that photo and those details and we'll be able to log them onto our system. That's and if advice. we do come across it, we can return it to the owner as well. Yeah, and then, and, and again, another thing that we're going to be coming up next is about the, the theft of pets. But similar to the theft of bikes, we need to stop the market for these uh, items. People just need to be careful about, you know, when bikes get advertised, you've got to start questioning why is this person selling it? And if it's a knockdown price, why has it been sold at a knockdown price? Sometimes uh, the value of goods can be too good to be true. Yeah. And we've always been saying it on the show, Patricia, and I know you've been advocating that people just need to be very careful when they're buying products. We've said it all the time. There's genuine people out there selling um, products, either bikes or, or even dogs and stuff and pets and so forth. And they're the genuine people that are doing genuine business. 
but unfortunately the criminals, are, the criminals well. are taking advantage of it and they're selling goods be it tools be it bikes be it pets at knockdown prices and unfortunately we are supplying that market by some people buying those dogs again so but in relation to the dogs that have been taken over the last number of weeks it, this is a nationwide problem it's not mm. just West Cork It seems to have increased during lockdown James Yes I suppose there was look you, you can you can argue that there was a lot of people at home and uh, kids were at home from school and it was a way of entertaining that there was, there was people seeking pets and the supply for pets weren't there because they weren't able to travel in from other countries with um, with the animal passports and so forth so when they were going online to buy these dogs Obviously, the criminals saw a market and a chance and an opportunity to supply these at uh, at cut prices. And that's where the the want for dogs and the demand for pets came. Is it going to stay going now that the restrictions have moved? We don't know. But all all that we have seen here in West Cork is that there has been an increase in the thefts of pups and young dogs and, and, and mature dogs as well from places around West Cork. So... Again, we're appealing to people if they see anyone acting suspicious around the place or even inquiring as to who owns the dogs or is there a dog owner around here, contact the Gardaí and we can follow up on this because we're very grateful to all the assistance that we get from the community and it's, it's an ongoing thing that we get phone calls here and we'll follow up on and whether it is legitimate or not. Okay, all right. Now, bogus said uh, tradesmen. I was reading something on social media yesterday about some crowd who were going around offering, you know, gutterings to be cleared out and uh, targeting elderly people in particular. Yeah, and like the first crime we talked about, this is a, a particularly low form of crime. They target the vulnerable, they target the elderly. I suppose we're appealing to neighbours here to keep an eye out on their vulnerable and elderly neighbours that we don't want them taking advantage of them. Was what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll offer a very low price for a job to be done. And like I suppose every person they want a, a deal done at a good price. But unfortunately, then they'll I suppose they'll insinuate that there could be a deeper issue there. I suppose around the guttering, and it might take an, another couple of thousand to fix yeah. it. And before you know it, they're looking for maybe seven or eight thousand euro extra off the vulnerable person. And because they're in such fear, and they they probably know that they've been caught, they'll they'll give over the money then and they might be embarrassed to report the matter to their neighbours or to their family or to the Gardaí but we're just asking people deal with legitimate business people that are going around offering these services do a big of a background check on them if you're not happy with the person that's come into your yard offering services do not deal with them do not engage with them and contact your neighbour or the Gardaí and we can follow up on it. And I think for neighbours to keep an eye out if you see you know the man with the van pulling up outside and you know an elderly person lives there yep. call down to the person I read on, on social media of a man who had his, his funeral money bless his heart he was his life savings stolen by a con artist who arrived at his door so just you know if, if, if you know and everybody knows their neighbours you know the people who are vulnerable in, in your neighbour just keep an eye out for them and just call down and say is everything okay here what's going on because usually you'll scare off whoever's trying to pull off the scam and, and they'll leave if they get a, any kind of questions Yeah and don't be afraid to contact us Patricia Yeah, Look, yeah we, absolutely We've said it over the last couple of months we've had the, the community spirit over the last couple of months has been phenomenal and uh, long may it continue and it always has been there and this is where we need to continue with that support for our elderly neighbours and our vulnerable neighbours do not hesitate to contact, contact the Gardaí. Okay. We will gladly go out and be of any assistance that we can. Well done. Online fraud? Patricia, this is really, I suppose, uh, it's really taking off from the point of view that there's a lot more people being caught. Uh, the one advice I'm going to be asking people is when any when they, any person receives a phone call to do with their bank card or their account details or their credit card or the, any account that they have, 
do not engage. Ring back the actual company yourself and see if they're a problem. Um, unfortunately, we're seeing a dramatic rise in people being caught for anything from €500 Euro up to uh, a couple of thousand, and it's frightening. I think we're doing an awful lot of work with Community Alert here and getting the message out and with our own fraud units across the country. I just want to remind people, don't be dealing with uh, people that ring you in relation to your credit card or your bank account details. OK, and with pubs opening, drink driving? Yep, yeah, I suppose, look... Um, over the last number of months, we didn't really see a decrease, even though that there was restriction of movement in the number of drink drivers and uh, driver drivers under the influence of intoxicants being detected in Cork West. Look, people, I know the pubs are opening and people want to get back out there and enjoy themselves and be social, but we're asking people not to drink and, ride, and drive, obviously. And also, we've seen a, an increase in the driving under the influence of drugs. I think there's people out there that are taking drugs and seem to think that the drugs are going to be gone out of their system the following day. They're not. Some drugs can stay in their systems for anything up to 72 hours and they mightn't even know it. And this is going to have an awful effect on their livelihoods and their careers going ahead if they have a, um, a detection under the Road Traffic Act for drug driving or drink driving. They can be off the road for 12 months for drug driving on your first offence. And up to four years of a disqualification if they're caught drink driving and drug driving as well. So we just want to remind people to not to drink and drive, number one. I know that there's issues with taxis and there, I suppose there's there's the number of taxis around West Cork and Cork in general have decreased, especially in the rural areas. Make arrangements for people to get picked up in pubs and don't be putting yourself at risk or any other road users at risk by hopping into the car and um, and driving after drink. Okay, and uh, finally, uh, James, you want to refer back to Detective Garda, Colm Horkin, and the day of his funeral. Yes, I suppose, look, we across, we want to thank the communities across West Cork and indeed Ireland for their messages of support over the last number of weeks uh, since we lost our colleagues, and also to the emergency services and the voluntary services and those who turned up at all the Garda stations around West Cork there on the Sunday the 21st when we honoured our colleague on the day of his burial, and we just want to say thank you their messages of support have been greatly appreciated. And it was, people turned up, um, I, I know I was in, in Mallow on, on that day and I was at the, I popped along to the Garda station in Mallow. Um, the, every Garda station in the country seemed to have had, a, people just wanted to turn out and just to... To offer support. Yeah. And to sign the book of condolences and it was greatly appreciated because it does mean an awful lot to us that we, that we get the support from the community and on, on a sad day like that, it was great to see. And such sad circumstances. Yeah, and it just it shows what a, a tough job, um, James. You never know from one day to the next when you, when you head out what you're going to face. And that is the case, unfortunately, for many of our colleagues. But look, please God, most of the time things work out. But unfortunately for our colleague, it, it didn't on this day. But the fact that we got the support from the community was phenomenal and we really appreciate it. And I, I would just want to say thank you to to all the communities across the country and indeed West Cork. OK, well done. Well done. Listen, stay safe, uh, James, and we'll speak again. Thanks for that. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That is Crime Prevention Officer Sergeant James O'Donovan joining us from Bandon Guard, the station. I can already see some pet questions uh, coming in. Can you keep those coming? Because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in the next hour. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls if you want to call us 1850 with a pet question or anything else you want to comment on or if you want to text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hit. 
there. Now, we were just, when I was talking with Sergeant James O'Donovan uh, in the last hour on the crime file, he mentioned the dogs are still being stolen and it's a nationwide issue. It isn't something that's only happening here in Cork and people need to be very careful of their dogs. That has led to Bridie contacting us to say she's missing a dog. Now, hopefully this dog has just gone missing as opposed to the dog has been stolen. It's a Staffordshire Cross Labrador and her name is Lola. There's actually a song on that. Her name is Lola. Anyway, Lola, when Lola went missing, was wearing a pink collar and is missing is missing from the Coppine area of West Cork. Okay, so please please keep a lookout for a Staffy Cross Labrador wearing a pink collar and says to the name of Lola. If anybody spots that, can you contact us please because we have all of Bridie's details and has gone missing from the Coppine uh, area. And then we were talking about scams as well on the Guard of Fire this week and people need to be so, so careful. Again, there seemed to be an increase in scams during lockdown. I suppose the scam artists believing that people with more time on their hands might just get sucked in um, be it online there was a lot of online scams doing the round people getting sent emails and the text message ones claiming to be from your bank these are the ones that are really catching out a lot of people and, and actually a friend of mine who's a really really smart lady uh, was telling me she got one of these text messages saying there was something wrong with her with her bank cards that somebody had been using it and has been compromised blah 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 contact us ASAP and click this link and all of that and uh, she did and she, when she was halfway through it she realised this is a scam this is a scam so she stopped doing what she was doing she got onto the bank but obviously her card then had to be cancelled and all of that but you just need to be very very careful and a listener said just a word of warning I got two text messages within two minutes of each other yesterday one was claiming to be from AIB Bank the other was claiming to be from Bank of Ireland saying that my card has been blocked because of unusual transactions and you know they ask you then to click the link or to telephone a number or whatever it is I don't have a Bank of Ireland card says this Listener, so I knew straight away it was it was a scam, and and I'm assuming from the text you had an AIB one, but when, as soon as the Bank of Ireland one came in, that you realised so there's lots of those scams. The bank will never contact you uh, that way. My card once upon a time was compromised, and I woke up early on a Saturday morning to, funny enough, it was a text message and I bank with permanent TSB asking me to ring a number. Now the first thing I did was I checked to see what the number was just to make sure if it was a scam or not and I got on to a number that I know is permanent TSB and I told them about the text message. They said, what number are they asking you to ring? I called out the number and they told me straight away that that's their fraud department. So then I was able to get on and we had to get the card blocked. Somebody was trying to use it in or somebody had been using it in in New York. Uh, But it was just the whole inconvenience of having your card cancelled the money that they took out I did eventually get back and all of that but it's just it's hugely hugely inconvenient so just be very careful and lucky that it's only an inconvenience and that I got my money back we're hearing of people who are losing large sums of money and and during the lockdown I've heard of people losing huge sums of money like big big sums of money into the thousands so you just you just you need to be uh, careful OK keep your pet questions coming in I can see pet questions coming in uh, to us keep those coming because Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us uh, after half past 12 today. Other issues then to be addressed. Trish says a texture. Can't believe the beautiful wild flowers are now being cut along the ditches by the council. It's in Shanaway, Ballinine. So much for flora and fauna. Now I'm wondering, are they being cut back on a health and safety issue 
is it causing problems for motorists I'm wondering or is it just a general cutting of it because I know there's been a big push for the bees to look after the bees and let the wild flowers and we've been encouraged actually to grow wild flowers where we can to help out the bee population so I don't know if that's a health and safety issue or is it just an annual cut that's going on but obviously this listener has been enjoying looking at all of the beautiful wildflowers and is saddened to see them all disappearing but somebody else who wants something done uh, who wants cutting to take place Hi can I just say that some of the trees along the main Cork Killarney Road that's the N22 some of those trees should be cut as they're very much out on the road Uh, by the way says this texter I think there shouldn't be any trees along a main road. Are other people noticing that, that some of the trees and the hedgerows and the this grass verges, that they're getting very overgrown and can it lead, is it making driving dangerous? I mean, if you're coming up to a junction and there's trees or the side of the the ditch is growing out, it can make it very difficult if you're trying to see if there's something coming left or right. So if anybody else has any, ro- any areas that need to be highlighted, let us know. But would others agree, on the main court to Killarney Road, there are trees along that route that simply need to be at cut. 1850 333 Number of people commenting on the Sinn Féin, the funeral that took place in Belfast this week and the large attendance at the funeral and in particular the criticism of the elected rep- representatives who went against the public health advice that we shouldn't be gathering in large crowds while out in uh, public. Some of your calls in on that. Michael was on to say, Patricia, Bobby's story, that was the gentleman who was being buried, spent 20 years of his life in prison and then he spent the rest of his life fighting injustices in the North. A lot of people are making comments about that funeral and they simply don't understand the troubles that people in Belfast and Northern Ireland had to go through. He was one of the bravest men who stood up up to try and get equality for people in the north. People down here in the south, we really don't have a clue about it. I absolutely think the funeral should have gone ahead. People respected that man so much and no virus was going to keep them away from showing their uh, respect. I just hope that there was nobody there that has COVID-19 and that we're not in a couple of weeks going to be talking about an outbreak of COVID-19. And I absolutely accept what, what you're saying and people... We, the Irish, are great at that. When somebody passes away, we want to show uh, our respect uh, for people. But we just have to remember that this virus hasn't gone away. We are living in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, I started the story this morning, the programme this morning, by talking about a cluster in one family where 20 members of the family have now come down with COVID-19 and that cluster may actually get bigger. And that was because they weren't able to attend a funeral of a relative during lockdown but then they decided to have a month's mind mass for the person and a number of people went and then there was a super spreader obviously there somebody who didn't know they had COVID-19 and they spread it around and the individual family members then brought it back to their households and now that family that extended family has 20 people and that number could even uh, rise and that's what we have to uh, remember and I don't think it's got anything to do with being disrespectful by not attending a funeral because seemingly a huge huge proportion of people heeded Sinn Féin's message to not go to the funeral and they watched it online uh, instead. But thank you for your call, uh, Michael. Mary thought it was troubling to see the IRA support at the funeral cause for a concern to see the black and white uni- uniforms and uh, Jim in Clonakilty saying much the same. 1850 Still getting in calls and comments about Michael Moynihan. Miriam Mbandon wasn't happy with Michael Moynihan's interview on the programme this morning. She said, how dare he speak about his boss 
Miho um, Martin like that. He's only looking for a seat the next time. He needs to go suck a lemon. That's the quote from Miriam Mbandon. I'm absolutely disgusted by his interview. There's bigger things happening in this country than listening to him looking for uh, sympathy, says Miriam Mbandon. Not happy at all uh, with the with our interview with Michael. By WhatsApp, Micheál Martin gave Dara Killeary both the Chief Whip's job, which, by the way, Dara Killeary wasn't happy with, but also yesterday gave him a junior ministry post. Was that not done just to pacify him? Not to worry. Hopefully there will be an election before Christmas, says this texter. We need a Citizens' Assembly to reform the doll. In reality, do we need all those politicians? It's time to trim the sails. We're in choppy waters. Can we really afford uh, all of them? And at a time when you wonder, can we afford uh, all of them? They, they were able to give, the three main parties were able to give up to 20 junior ministries. I was wondering, with everything that's going on, would we have less? But they didn't. They decided to give the maximum number that they could. And some would say, really, with what's going on from a financial point of view, can we really afford all of the junior uh, ministers uh, as well? Okay. also coming out on the funeral, Pat says there, there is nothing as sick as politicians and their supporters using a funeral to try to get brownie points over the opposition. What about the people that came to Killarney from America via London and Belfast and drove down? Didn't hear Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael talking about them. What hypocrites they are, says Pat. And can I say there are a number of people bringing up about... We brought this up on the programme yesterday when we had some of our listeners talking about meeting Americans in... Killarney in particular and just not feeling comfortable about the fact that these that the, these American tourists were in, the, were in the country and somebody says Patricia can you confirm did a group of people arrive in Killarney from America they came in here through the north and drove down here these people came from America via London so what chance do we have with this virus the thing is there wasn't a trace of Micheál Martin or Leo Varadkar and we haven't heard them commenting about it we haven't a chance says a texter and someone else says, hi, Patricia and John Paul and Sadie, listening to your comments about social distancing in the pubs and funerals. I wouldn't be that worried about that. But what worries me since you aired it yesterday is the Americans coming to Ireland from the USA. Why aren't the government putting a stop to it and putting a stop to it immediately? Uh, surely there should be this should be acted on as an emergency thanking you and that's from Anne D uh, whatsapping uh, the programme and to people saying did did they come in through Belfast they did I mean we had two stories confirming it yesterday of people actually talking to Americans and when they asked how they got how they came here and were they worried one was asked were they not worried about COVID-19 and travel the two younger men who in their 20s said that their American president Donald Trump told them they could travel so that's why they were travelling and another group of Americans said that they were the smart ones and I quote that's exactly what she said we were the smart ones we flew into London Heathrow on into Belfast and then got a car uh, to come down to uh, Killarney because they knew that if they did manage to get on a flight they would get them into Shannon or Dublin or Cork they would have to have self-isolated for two weeks so they took what they perceived as the smart route and decided to come through uh, Belfast instead and just on the point of the self-isolating if you arrive in this country at the moment and it's still there and I know there's a push by the tours by some in the tourism section and certainly by the aviation section there's a big push to remove that need to self-isolate for two weeks when you arrive and the argument that's been put forward the rest of Europe is opening up we need to open up in line with the rest of Europe and we need to allow people to come in and out of this country without forcing them to self-isolate for two weeks but you wonder really 
is the self-isolation working at all? Because in the papers today, it says that more than half the people coming into Ireland from abroad who should be doing this self-quarantining, this self-isolation for two weeks, um, half of them, more than half of them didn't answer the phone call checking on their whereabouts. These were figures that have been released. Now, this is from the end of May to the middle of June. So that two week period. Overseas holiday traffic increased, by the way, during that two week period. And officials say 684 new arrivals who at the airport or the port gave their name and address and telephone number of where they would be for the next two weeks. So 684 new arrivals came in during that two week period. So only 308 answered the call. So, which was 45%. So 55% of people who came into this country from the end of May to the middle of June and they said, yes, this is where we're going to self-quarantine for the two weeks when they got a phone call just to confirm that that's where they were. And even though you could get a phone call, I could come in on a flight this morning into Cork Airport and say, where are you going to be staying? Here's my address. I'm going to be staying with the relatives and I'm going to be in Mallow for the next two weeks. What's your telephone number? Here's my mobile telephone number. They could ring me and I could be anywhere. I mean, I literally could be any, anywhere uh, because I know in other countries when they ask people to do that, you have to give a landline. And I know, I think, was it in Singapore, I heard, you had to give a landline. You were guaranteed that you were going to get two calls in daylight hours and one call in the evening and you had to be at the end of that landline. And if you weren't at the end of the landline, then they came looking for you and you were booted out of the country. Now, I'm not saying that we could have probably as strict a rules, rule as that, but it shocks me that even with people who gave a telephone number and said they were going to self-quarantine, that they did not answer the call. The worrying pattern of many overseas arrivals going missing has been repeated, it seems, this is coming from the Department of Justice data. It's been repeated over several weeks. And the self-quarantine, by the way, just to clarify it, is strongly advised, but it is not uh, mandatory. And of course, this comes at a time when our own Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan is still saying to people uh, we should avoid all non-essential travel and he said the World Health Organisation is warning that the global pandemic is accelerating and it is in the past week over 160,000 new cases worldwide are being reported every day not every week 160,000 we are no way out of the woods uh, yet Martin Infomoy says about the lockdown Patricia the, the, the lockdown we've just come out of I think it's too early to be easing restrictions my God Patricia people in Formoy where I live seem to think the virus has gone away but it hasn't gone away at the very start of the lockdown I had neighbours they paid absolutely no attention to the lockdown or any of the rules and regulations that we were asked to abide to they paid no heed to the guidelines there was no hope for us at all Patricia when people like my neighbours carry on the way they did Formoy is buzzing it's packed with people not social distancing especially you young uh, people. And you see, for the business community, I like to hear that towns are getting busier. I, I like to see it. But that's when we all need to have the personal responsibility. When you're out in town, a town can be buzzing and you still can be giving people space. You know, when you walk by people, try to do, and I know it can be difficult on small footpaths, but do your best to keep away from people when you're out and about. When you're in the shops, keep the two metre rules. Shops are doing really well with limiting the number of people in their shops. People are queuing outside. You do it with a two metre rule. And of course, to protect everyone, if you're out and about like that and you're going to be in an area 
that you think is going to be very busy, then you wear a mask. And that's the advice uh, that's uh, coming in for everyone. 1850-333-103. And just a couple of more on Michael Moynihan. Very disappointed and amazed that Michael Moynihan was overlooked as a junior minister. Uh, Michael has served North Cork extremely well. He's very able and capable. He has successfully been re-elected on every occasion even after the global financial crisis. He's a very competent TD and he merited the position of junior minister. Yours, and that's signed disappointed Fianna Fáil supporter Aidan O'Connor in uh, Cork. And Pat O'Brien says, I support Michael Moynihan 100%. He's honest, he's hardworking. Micheál Martin, our leader, would have sold his granny to become Taoiseach. I voted against this uh, coalition as it all seemed to be about Micheál becoming uh, Taoiseach. Politics is a dirty game, says Pat O'Brien. Michael Moynihan's day will come, please God. And his message is stay strong and uh, save and stay safe. And Micheál Martin says another texter has three very senior TDs waiting in the long grass for him to make a mistake. My advice to Micheál Martin says this texter is to watch your back. And just a final one on the funeral up the north. Somebody said really surprised that Mary Lou uh, went bearing in mind that she had the uh, virus and would she not have known better? 1850-333-103. Pet questions, please, along with your comments. And you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, anytime during this the month of July, you can run or walk the Court McSherry 10K road race route using the usual route. Then using your entry ID, email to where you registered, enter your time and provide evidence of the course completion. The entries will be collated and the runners and walkers league tables will be regularly updated. There's going to be a prize for the fastest female and male runner and you'll also receive a free entry to the raffle every time you enter. You enter. Proceeds from the event will be split between the Court McSherry Rowing Club Building Fund and the uh, raffle and race prizes. And Churchtown Community Council, they are continuing to fundraise to refurbish their community hall. They're asking people to donate a slate, €20 per slate. And there will be a draw for anyone who contributes €100 or over for an Apple iPad. You can find out more at ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. And the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation are appealing for donations to enable them to continue with their support for families. Please donate €4 by texting the word WE CARE. To 50300 or give what you can through www.jackandjill.ie. Every 16 euro donated provides a family with one hour of home nursing support from the wonderful Jack and Jill team. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 and just on uh, scams, a listener says, Margaret, Margaret and Bandon was on, so did anybody ever get a message onto their house phone answering machine? The message left claimed you, your Amazon account was reduced by thirty nine ninety nine, And basically, if you answered the phone or got back to them, they would look for a bank account uh, number. It is the first time the scammers though left a message, says Margaret, on her house phone 
hoping that she would call back. So please be very, very careful of the amount of scams that are out and about. Because when I mentioned the Bank of Ireland one, because somebody yesterday got a Bank of Ireland one and an AIB one, I can see uh, a number of people, including Anne, says, I got that Bank of Ireland uh, text, don't have a Bank of Ireland account. So needless to say, I knew immediately that it was a scam and did nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, they're randomly just picking phone numbers and hoping, hoping that you will have a Bank of Ireland uh, account. And here's one on housing. What a pack of hypocritical TDs we have. My daughter is on the council list for a house. She's three small children. And with the past three years, whenever TDs were, were at our door looking to canvas, looking for votes, they promised her that the next house available in Mitchestown, she would be top of the list. Now, she still has no home for herself and her three children. She is she still has no house and is hoping for one of her family. She's she's moving, hopping. Oh, sorry. She's hopping from one. God almighty, what a situation to be in. She's moving from one family member to another just to keep a roof over her head and the head of her, her three children. That's just, that's the real hidden homeless, isn't it? You know, we talk about the homeless figures and we talk about people that are in emergency accommodation. But we forget about people like that. Somebody who just to keep her children with a roof over their head is going from family member to family member and you know a family member put her up for a week and then she goes on to somebody else. People who have, who have houses as this texture are being rehoused and the homelessness is still there. It's a joke. And actually the, that whole um, heart goes out to your family. That really is tough. The homeless situation of course hasn't gone away at all. You know and we don't. I think there's been so much talk about uh, COVID-19 and I can, please, I can see Mary's getting frustrated. Can we ever talk about anything else? Um, and at times Mary yeah, it does feel like that. But the the because we are so caught up with the pandemic, and rightly so, we have to be caught up with the pandemic because that it, a virus is going to kill people. But we forget about homelessness and we forget about the situation that is still there. And that's why we have a new government in, in place. And are they going to be able to do anything about homelessness? I don't know. With all the money that's been spent and needs to be spent on trying to save people's eyes from the pandemic, will there be even low less for uh, housing. 1850 on roads that need to be cut back and hedgerows overgrowing. Uh, I think all roads need to be trimmed says this texter. Surely people's lives are more important than that of the bees. Uh, Pat says the roads around Lahar and Cross are particularly dangerous at the moment with hog weeds. Uh, roads are closing in now. They are so bad. They desperately need to be cut back. And someone else when I was saying is it to do with health and safety that the, the road the hedgerows that were, are the area that was being cut with all the lovely wildflowers. That's what started the conversation uh, today. Save us from the health and safety fascists, says a uh, texter. OK, and a couple still coming in on the funeral in the north. And she said, Leo Radker is back to his usual sh- Sinn Féin sniping remarks on the Bobby Story funeral when his own picnic in the park was OK while telling everybody else not to do it. And the guards' funeral, they didn't have much social distancing either. And he didn't make any smart comment about that, did he? And Trish, you said you hoped that no one had COVID-19 at the funeral of Bobby Story, the Sinn Féin gentleman. Well, I just hope no one had COVID-19 at the guards' funeral either. COVID is covid 
no matter whose funeral you are at. 1850 And Anthony, this is on people being allowed into the country and the self-quarantining and not self-quarantining. It looks like in many cases, Anthony said, what is going on that any Tom, Dick or Harry can come over the border from anywhere that the UK allow and we can't stop stop it. How is this not being contested by our government, says Anthony. Of course, we are waiting on the government to uh, rule on what countries people should be travelling to if they're going on holidays or not. That's still a big bone of contention. The Cabinet is going to be deciding in the coming days about these air bridges, which would allow people to travel from both Ireland to the country that they designate as safe and obviously then to allow those people to come back into this country and they would be able to do it without quarantine uh, restrictions. And the list of countries, we're expecting them next week. The previous government, it said the 9th of July. It's looking like the time frame is going to be the same. It's going to be the 9th of July before they publish a list of countries. Can I just warn people in advance who are waiting to hear on that, people who already have travel plans and are hoping to go away on holidays and hoping that air bridges will be opened up with certain countries to allow them to travel. Anything that I've read so far is indicating that it's going to be countries like Greece and Finland are going to be top of the list because they're countries who've got their COVID-19 under control, similar to what we have. So I don't want people to be disappointed when people will be allowed to leave. And you can still, still you can still leave the country, but the suggestion is that you'd have to self-quarantine when you come home for two weeks. I don't know if the likes of France and Spain or the United Kingdom, a lot of people have family members who want to travel to in the United Kingdom and want to travel home. I don't know if they're going to be on that list or if they're going to remain on the list that if you do decide to go or people do decide to travel over here, the quarantine restrictions will uh, still be in place. And I know for a lot of holiday makers who, are, who want to cancel their trip because they want to take on board what the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan is saying, don't travel ab- abroad. But if their flights go still go ahead, that means they're going to lose all the money that they've put into these holidays. And a lot of people save really, really, you know, they put money away every week and holidays are not cheap. And, you know, it can be a year's savings goes into booking a holiday. And, you know, people are sort of in that dilemma do we risk losing all the money because if the flight isn't cancelled and if people don't decide to travel because Tony Houlihan has said it isn't advisable to travel and the flight goes ahead they lose all of their money and there's a lot of people caught up uh, with that uh, uh, there's the independent uh, TD Michael, Mac- uh, Michael McNamara he's the chair isn't he of the COVID-19 uh, the government's COVID-19 response committee. He has come out, I think, with, and I don't know how this would sit with people, he's come out with the suggestion that people who cancel their holidays on the back of the advice from Tony Houlihan and then they lose out on the money they don't get any compens. They don't get their money refunded to them. That they instead would be compensated with some kind of vouchers for a domestic break. The idea would be, say, you had paid for a holiday and it was three thousand euro, and you're going to lose the three thousand euro. That the government would fund a voucher to you for three thousand euro that you would then be able to spend in the tourism sector here in Ireland. It's just been a suggestion that's been being put forward, but it is by the chairperson of the government's COVID-19 response committee. So it's an interesting uh, suggestion. And for people, by the way, who are caught in that catch-22, who 
you know, don't know what to do about their holidays and, you know, what are the consumer rights uh, around it. We have invited Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association and he's going to join us tomorrow on the programme. So if you have any question with regard to a package holiday like that or any other consumer question, always love having Dermot Jewell on the programme because he's always great. He'll answer all the questions thrown at him. He really is great. So any consumer questions, yeah, you can bring it up because I might also ask him, you know, people are starting to get worried about prices increasing and some people say they don't mind paying extra because they know cost of business has gone up and PPE gear but for some they feel that they're being ripped off and where do we stand as consumers if we do feel we are being ripped off by businesses that have reopened and seem to be price gorging I'm not saying all I think the majority are doing their very best but there does seem to be some kind of price gorging with with, uh, prices going up which seems very unfair on uh, consumers who have particularly those who have lost uh, their jobs and who have struggled through all of this COVID-19 pandemic. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul continue to take your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. And Jane Peck, of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Our resident vet joins us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Jane. Uh, there's nothing coming in on that line, uh, John Paul. There's no buttons pushed down. No. OK, uh, let's we'll have to get her on the phone line this um, uh, sometimes. And actually, we were just saying that that particular uh, piece of technology that we use for Jane has always worked so well for Jane. We had Peter on it yesterday. It was super for Peter as well because it's a good, clear line. We were just saying it's always worked for Jane. And for some reason uh, today, when we tried to look link in with her, it's not uh, working. OK, we've got her on the phone line. Have we, John Paul? Uh, we have her on the phone line. No, we don't have her on the phone line. OK, uh, let me move on to other issues that are coming in on American tourists and the amount of American tourists that have been spotted, particularly in Kerry. I wonder if they've been spotted in uh, Cork as well. Uh, Joan says, I blame the hotels and the B&Bs for allowing American tourists uh, to come here. Uh, is that fair? Uh, Joan reckons uh, the, we as Irish are all being asked to uh, staycation and then to be put in a room aside American uh, tourists. She feels that's unfair on Irish people and it might make some people nervous about going away on holidays. Jane, I'm told, is on the phone line. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. We Sorry had a, a, a little bit of a technical glitch. Don't worry. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. OK, straight in with the question for Jane. How much exercise does an older dog need every day? I think it really depends. If the older dog is active and quite comfortable and doesn't have any, let's say, joint issues, then as much as they fancy, really, a a good half an hour or even an hour long walk in the morning and the evening will be really, really perfect for a very active older patient. However, that might be quite excessive if, let's say, we had a, 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 let's say, a slightly more infirm older patient that perhaps had joint issues um, or any muscular problems. I think, really, your dog is going to be the best guide for you. just watch them really carefully for cues that maybe they're, they've had enough, they're slowing down a little bit, they're maybe looking a little bit uncomfortable. That's definitely the point at which, you know, don't go any further at that stage if they're struggling. But I think if they're, if they're one of those super active, more ancient dogs that runs and jumps, plays with the ball and is happy out and enjoys their life, let them do what they want to do. Age shouldn't really be a barrier to anything as well, uh, you know, particularly with our dogs and cats. But if you do have concern that you're worried that dog the walks might be too much for your dog, and in some cases with some ailments, it can be a bit too much to go on formalised walks and they might be better just pottering around at home gently, have a chat to your vet. 
Because if there is issues like stiffness or soreness that are, let's say, restricting the movement or causing difficulty or pain with walking or if the duration of the walking is quite high, it's really time to see your vet because there's a lot of things that we can do to deal with the really common problems that come along with old age, which will be arthritis and muscle loss. So there's lots of things that we can do to make your pet a lot more comfortable and to make sure that their exercise is adequate. And as well as that, as they enter into their, let's say, twilight years, the best thing is to make sure that they remain as light as possible. So piling on the pounds as well as we gain in the years, gaining the weight in tandem with that is never a good idea because that adds lots of extra strain, not only onto the joints, but also the fat around the internal organs can cause big problems. Kind of a bit like ourselves, isn't it really? It's exactly the same as ourselves, really, to be totally honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, hi. Uh, Could you please ask Jane the following question? My dog, uh, Labrador Alsatian Cross, is on Loxicom for Mm -hmm. arthritis. Um, I'm wondering, could I give hemp oil in the evenings on top of the Lexicom? That's from John from Butterwind. is a brand name of a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So it's a particular type of anti-inflammatory very commonly prescribed for arthritis. There's lots of other brands available. They all do the same thing. Now, what I would say is well done for going to your vet and getting some attention if your dog has, has some pain or osteoarthritis. That will definitely be helping. And we know that there are actually some studies that show that continual use of anti-inflammatories as they get a little bit older, if they do have joint pain, can very mildly slow down the progression of the arthritis. So it's a really good job that you're on that. What I would say is that other alternative therapies like hemp oil, they may well have value. But the thing that worries me is, is not their value, it's their safety. We have no idea what a safe limit is for a dog or cat, and we have no idea what's going to be a poisonous limit for a dog or cat. And as well as that, we don't have any studies that show us that it works. So for me personally, my own personal opinion on it is it's not worth the risk because we don't know exactly how much is safe, how much will be useful, if it's even useful in the first place. And of course, the dog can't tell you if it's... And the dog can't tell yeah. you, exactly, exactly. So it's it's not like ourselves can, taking something where we have a bit more control over it, perhaps. Um, I suppose for your dog, they just won't be able to have kind of any say in the matter, as it were, and won't be able to tell you if they're feeling ill and it's not kind of a well-tested remedy as such. So I think if you have concerns that the pain relief you're on is not quite cutting the mustard anymore... Give your vet a call because there's lots of lots of other things that we can either change, change the dosage if that's appropriate in, in contact with your vet or add in other medications to make the comfort better. But I think the best thing is you recognise that maybe there's a bit of a problem with the pain relief. So have a chat to your vet. I, I probably wouldn't be tempted to go could to go down kind of the alternative therapies route just yet. OK, a six month old female boxer pup. Just wondering, when she goes to the toilet, there seems to be a yellow discharge left. It's not there all the time, but it's especially there first thing in the morning. I'm wondering oh. is that common? Is there anything okay. wrong? It's been go- We've had her since she was eight weeks old. It's always been the same. She's in fantastic form, by the way. Okay, perfect. If she's in fantastic form and she's a young growing girl, it could be that it might just be, if it's a very kind of light, I suppose it's difficult to say without seeing it, but if it's a very light, kind of clearish, but slightly yellowish discharge, I would say it might just be normal vaginal discharge. It could be very, very normal for her, particularly if she's had it since she was a small pup and it's stayed there and it's just kind of come and gone and she's in flying form. Things that we always worry about with a discharge from the, the nether regions will be infections up into the up into the womb. But that's generally something that's a lot more common in our older ladies that are that are on spade. So I think if she's in flying form, you can see how she goes. If you happen to be at the vet, it's probably a good idea to, to show them it. 
And if it's the kind of thing that's more obvious in the morning, do you know, if you see it obvious in the morning, take a photo of it, because if you ever need to show it to the vet, then they'll be able to see exactly what you can see when it's there. Um, that's I, the I great know. thing about our phones, isn't it? It's, it is, And yeah. I imagine it's the same, you know, with a dog who, um, you know, if it's walking a little bit funny or yeah, when you're out on a walk, you've noticed something, a quick little video does, I mean, that must, oh. uh, that really must help. Absolutely, 100%. There's nothing like seeing it in the flesh. And yeah. a lot of the time, the patients that we have in, it's kind of like ourselves going to the doctor. Maybe you don't always act as normally as you would mm. um, because you get what we call white coat syndrome. So you get all worried because you're at the vet and it makes your behaviour a little bit different. Um, so yeah, seeing seeing a video or a photo of a dog in their natural environment doing behaviour that you've noticed or having the problem that you've noticed is worth its weight in gold. So really, really don't be shy about showing those to your vet because we'll breathe a sigh of relief when you have that kind of thing with you because it makes our job so much easier. Okay, I don't know if there is there any scheme a listener wants to know for neutering of cats. My father is an old age pensioner has taken in a cat straight in and the cat's just had a litter of kittens at the moment. We'll be interested in getting the cat yeah. uh, neutered. Is there any schemes uh, doing the rounds for reduced cost for neutering? You know, a few years ago there was loads of them doing the rounds yeah. and it was really great because I think neutering the pets is, is really the responsible choice. Particularly in this country we have a massive problem with unwanted kittens so I think it's really great that our, our listener wants to wants to add a positive influence to that and get their cat spayed. At the moment, I'm not aware of any schemes running personally in my area. However, everywhere is a little bit different. So have a chat to your own local vet because they might be aware of something in your local district that might not be available in mine and they'd be the best people to know exactly what's available in your area. Um, so as I say, not off the top of my head, but it's always worth that. And because the Dogs Trust were another group for dogs, obviously mm. not, not for cats. Mm-hmm. They do it every a couple of times a year, isn't it? It comes up. Sometimes they do, but again, it tends to be quite regional so Does it, yeah. where, where it happens um, changes around to give everybody kind of their turn as it were yeah, um, yeah. so I, I yeah I'd contact your local vet they'll know yep. what's they'll know what's around near okay. you Okay Alright listen have a, great, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week Perfect Thank Thanks for that much. Bye bye Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group Somebody has a birthday today and I saw this request earlier and I just didn't get to give it a mention so I want to give a mention to it Where is it gone? It's a 16th birthday to Rachel DC. Happy birthday to you, Rachel, uh, from Mary Murphy and Kate O'Donovan. And they both hope that you're having a very special day today. We've been talking about roads and overgrown hedgerows and what needs to be done. The roads in Ballina, Carriga and more uh, in the area would want to be uh, cut. All of the hedgerows are very, very overgrown says this listener something needs to be done about it. We've mentioned scams on the programme today and how we all need to bring our A-game when it comes to answering the phone or looking at a text message because there's just so many scams out and about. And says Patricia, in one day in one day, I got 90 emails saying I had the wrong address on a parcel and my bank details are wrong. And then there was another one from an investment company. Now, I deleted them all uh, yesterday and would you believe five more arrived this morning and the landline, I just don't answer it anymore, Suzanne, so sick of getting. I think the calls to the landline were probably, do you remember the computer scammers were doing the rounds and for some reason it was landlines rather than mobiles that they were were targeting. And, and you're not the only one. I've heard of other people who've done the very same thing. They've just given up answering the landline. If you could get that, you know, the call where you see the number 
call waiting, what's it called? Well, you can actually, uh, caller ID, if you can get that on your phone, it's terrific because you can see the calls that, that are coming in. Some of them now are from a blocked number, but as soon as you see it's through a blocked number, not to answer, answer it. But it's awful to think that you're sitting in your own house and you're afraid to answer your own landline for fear that it is going to be some kind of a scam. It really is shocking that that is happening to you. But I don't think you've, I think you've created a record there and in getting 90 emails um, on, in one day. I don't know if I've ever if I've ever come across anyone that's got that many. You Somehow your email address has ended up on a list that it just shouldn't be on, which is really, really unfortunate. And it's such a difficult thing to, to say, change your email because you need to contact uh, so many other people. Uh, Audrey says, uh, Patricia, I think all people should be self-isolating if they go abroad or if people come into this country. They should also be asked to do the same thing. Are people mad that they even want to travel? Did they not see the RT Investigates programme the other night and what that virus can do to people shocked that anybody's even considering going away. And Phil says to anybody out there who's in any doubt about cancelling a foreign holiday just remember it is €1,800 is the price of a coffin. Oh Phil. And I know the point you're making, but goodness me to see that in print. Okay. And by the way, we will look at that tomorrow for people who do have holidays booked and are in that dilemma at the moment. Do they just suffer the loss of the holiday, not get any kind of a refund because the holiday hasn't been uh, cancelled? Would you still consider going? We'll we'll get your consumer rights on the programme tomorrow. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul and Sadie uh, for taking your calls. Talk to you tomorrow at 7. Stay safe. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.